0: You are in the ring with Hector Galon, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Galon.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Héctor Colón, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. I am so grateful to the wisdom I gain from my season one interviews with thought leaders from across the country, addressing the challenges that face our colleagues, the people we serve, and how they are ensuring the financial viability of our sector. You can check out all of my interviews at, uh, at L-S-S-W-I-S slash in the ring. I hope the conversations spark awareness and that they serve as inspiration to all of those connected in our sector. Uh, this year, we're gonna dig into the punching power of our sector, highlighting the many ways that thought leaders and organizations are knocking out their challenges and moving their organizations forward. Subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn so you don't miss any of these important conversations in the future. Thank you to In The Ring podcast sponsor, M3. We are so appreciative of your sponsorship, your partnership and friendship and all you do for LSS and so many organizations across the country. Okay, as my coach shorty used to say, let's go, champ. In The Ring with me today is Michael Lappin, the Administrator of Milwaukee County Behavioral Health Division. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So Mike uh, had became the Administrator of Milwaukee County Mental Health Services in 2016. And I recall the the newspaper article that went out. Uh, Bill Gluber said Mike Lappin is about to take one of the toughest jobs in local government. And I agree, this job was a really hard job back then. It continues to be a hard job. And Mike Lappin has done a great job. Uh, Mike Lappin became the division's uh, administrator, the sixth administrator in just 10 years. So it was high turnover in that role. And he moved, He came from uh, where he was the director of Ozaki County Health and Human Services, where he oversaw a staff of 100 and a $12 million budget. I was serving as the Director of Health and Human Services at the time, where we were moving away from an institutional model of care towards a community-based model of care. And we invested millions of that. We closed our long-term care institution and invested millions into the community to move in that direction. And But we needed to do a lot more. We were in the beginning stages of that major turnaround. A lot was accomplished but more needed to be done. In that article that I was referenced, I said, Mike Lappin was the right person for the job because he has great leadership. He is very data-driven and is collaborative. I also shared that we are redesigning our system. We made lots of progress, but Mike was the right leader to take us home. Mike uh, and and I also started our careers together. Uh, Mike hired me. Uh, when I worked at Wisconsin Correctional Services as a, um, a clinical, um, uh, providing mental health services for individuals that came out of long-term care units. So I learned a lot from Mike then. We, we grew up together, and it was an honor and privilege to work with you for a short time while I remained at Milwaukee County before I left uh, to the organization I love now, Uh, Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. Welcome, Mike. Again, thanks so much uh, for having me.
2: And uh, it's fun to reminisce, to hear it all, sort of hear you talk about it. Um, It's always fun to reminisce about where we are and where we get to go from here.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Are you ready for round one? I am. (laughs) Good, good. So I remember, I I think it might have been 2010, 2010 where the HSI report came out and had many, many recommendations for us to move more to a community-based model of care. And uh, Chris Abley hired me. We started, you know, making some bold changes and putting some stakes in the ground and and trying to, trying to move that more towards a co- uh, community-based model of care. We closed the long-term care uh, institution, which was really hard. But again, a lot needed to be done to to be where we're at today. And Mike, uh, you've done an extraordinary job to get us there. But why don't you give the audience a little perspective of the history of, of mental health in Milwaukee County, what it was and what it looks like today? So uh, to do this justice, uh, it's a long story because it's a long history, but
2: um, as briefly as I can do this... Uh, It really goes back to the 1850s, right after Wisconsin becomes a state, uh, the Milwaukee County Board of Supervisors at the time elected to take responsibility for all of the poor folks that lived in Milwaukee County. So they essentially put out an RFP. They didn't call them RFPs then, but they they sought uh, to purchase a farm to become the county poor farm. So, uh, lo and behold, they offered $5,000, a county supervisor at the time stepped forward and said, I will sell you my farm for $6,000. And I will, the extra money is that I'll throw in the barn and all my cows. So the county gets into the business of operating the poor farm in, in about 1851. Um, before that folks lived in poor houses and sort of really just wherever the town would take care of people. So they had this centralized poor farm, uh, Quickly it became obvious that people who were poor needed medical attention, so they created a field hospital. In the first year that hospital operated, they served 34 people, and 16 of them were identified as so-called insane persons. So right there is the first time in the history that you see that people with mental illness are referenced. Um, Fast forward, uh, there's an act of the legislature a few years later that says Milwaukee shall establish an asylum. Mm -hmm that asylum it was very progressive at the time the legislature basically said the only two places to go are the state hospital at mendota the state hospital at winnebago those would have been multi-day horse rides from milwaukee so it wasn't nearby it did not serve our community so the idea again which sounds really progressive even today was to create an asylum in milwaukee to serve people closer to home the hospital opened on march 26 1880 was the Asylum for the Acute Insane in Milwaukee. Um, The buildings are long gone, but that was the first hospital. Uh, Within nine years, they built a second facility. Um, And it really began this era of institutional care that really carried through all the way until 2010. And so, again, I skipped a lot of history, but really what happened is as treatments evolved, as community-based programs were proven, uh, the, the program we had was uh, that we worked together in basically served 50 people who lived on two adjacent long-term care units in Milwaukee County, uh, 44A and 44B. So the people that uh, we served together had lived into the hospital for many, many years, some of them almost their whole adult life. And we proved that if you provided adequate community-based services, they didn't need to be in the hospital. That really reduced the need for our the last hospital we operated, which closed on September 30th officially. It was built for 1,300 beds. By the time I got onto the scene, it had 54 total beds in a million-square-foot facility. And so it was really obvious that we needed to exit the hospital business. The HSRI report that you referenced from 2010 also said we should get out of the hospital business. And so we really wanted to, to focus on those community-based interventions instead.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty interesting, the old terminology that was used and um all went well intended in the beginning. There were beautiful facilities, but it ended up being a an old model and and needed updating and and needed to move towards this more community based model of care that really provides people with better outcomes with more dignity um, and just really is is the right thing to do. So thank you for sharing that and and thank you for being part of an extraordinary effort and an and an effort that. I believe, is really a national model right now where where we were so back, we were so delayed in our progress, but now we've evolved and you've evolved to, to, to develop a great model that the, the nation can look upon and look to as an example of how to administer mental health services uh, in, in their community. And so thank you for that. You know, maybe talk a little bit about... Um, Um, Some of the redesign efforts, specifically that uh, under your leadership that happened, and how you've closed the hospitals, the partnerships you you develop. Uh, And if I could just make a shout out to uh, when I was there, and and I know you'll share this as well the enormous partnerships that we've had uh, from our colleagues at the Behavioral Health Division. you know, the advocates and the policymakers and community-based organizations, and just so many people came to the table. Some of them were up in in opposition, too, so there was always that conflict. But at the end of the day, we had more people that were willing to fight to do the right thing. Uh, Share a little bit about that and some of the redesign under your leadership. Absolutely.
2: So uh, love to talk about this stuff. Um, Again, I am not wearing the Mission Accomplished t-shirt yet because our work is really never done. But, you know, since 2010, we've made great strides you mentioned the HSRI study. The original ten recommendations, and I could name them, but I won't. Um, basically, said do more community intervention, help people sooner, sooner. You know, add peers, uh, people with lived experience, to your treatment teams. Um, re- really uh, embrace this idea that people can recover and that they're better served by people uh, who are more culturally competent, who are right there with them. And so. In 2018, uh, we had gotten to the point where we had a partner to take over our hospital, but they weren't able to manage our emergency room. So we brought back uh, HSRI for a follow-up. And they basically came and they said, you guys knocked it out of the park. You did great. Now, here's where you have to go from here. And so we we partnered with the, the Wisconsin Policy Forum. I believe at the time that was under their old name, but Rob Hankin was a great partner. And they basically said... Milwaukee County really needs to maintain the emergency room as a center of excellence. So we had over time evolved. Uh, There's a unique statutory requirement in Milwaukee that basically says for a person who's being cared for against their will, so people who are in police custody due to a mental health crisis, the county must provide a psychiatrist's assessment within 24 hours. So we had always achieved that by having an operating our own emergency room, So one of the major recommendations and the the biggest opportunity for partnership became preserving that emergency room uh, for the Milwaukee community. So we looked at all the data. Uh, Again, the the policy forum was really instrumental in helping us formulate the discussion. We looked at a heat map. we saw that 93% of the people we served lived in the city of Milwaukee. 71% of the people we served historically over 20 years lived in 10 zip codes, eight on the north side, two on the south side. And lo and behold, there was a, a small county-owned parcel in the center of the 53205 zip code about a couple of blocks from where we're recording today that was a perfect spot. And uh, really, to make a long story short, we approached the health systems because we served about 8,000 people a year in 2018. Only about half of them actually were involuntary and in need of, of this court ordered or, or, or statutorily required assessment. The other half came to us because they knew we would treat them with dignity and respect and that we would help them. And so our argument was, we're providing a service for the community, but only half of it is really required. So we, we said to the health system partners, We'll pay half if you basically help you with the other half. And what ended up happening is a partnership evolved with the behavioral health services and the Department of Health and Human Services and Ascension Children's, the Medical College, uh, uh, Aurora Advocate, and we we created this new resource that we delivered together. And we'll talk a little more about how that partnership really is impacting treatment. But the idea was we saw a gap in the service. And, and really, to your earlier question, all of the community-based services that we provide, you really need that service for when someone's in mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. And without that, the whole thing could have fallen apart, and so we wanted to preserve this intervention.
1: Um, you know, Mike, that that is um, wonderful. It really is <clears throat> something to your credit on how you were able to pull these partners together to make this happen, and I know that wasn't easy. And uh, it turned out, again, I, I believe to be really a national model, what you were able to accomplish. The, the community should be very proud. And uh, we should be very thankful to the health systems uh, also uh, for really stepping it up. Um, uh, one one last question, and we're going to go into round two. Okay. Um, so who are you serving today? And, um, you know, what are their biggest challenges?
2: Uh, so... Traditionally, the county has, a again, a statutory responsibility. We, we, we manage this involuntary system. But truly, uh, under the leadership of our county executive, uh, David Crowley, our health and human services uh, executive director, Shakita LaGrant-McLean, we have really moved into a world where we're trying to serve people upstream and more proactively. So what we've done is we've expanded, uh, uh, and this aligned with the recommendations from 2010 and again in 2018, we've expanded our crisis mobile services. So we're out there. We want to help anyone who needs us at any time. Um, so we, we operate a crisis line 24-7, 365. We, we can do mobiles. We do all sorts of collaborations. And then we've embedded in our uh, outpatient mental health services in a, uh, a number of community health centers, And we deliver services in partnership with those community health centers so folks can walk in. Ideally, they come to us before uh, they need to call 911 or before they're in crisis, and then we can help them sooner. And then we have this uh, very large network of community-based services where we really try to do a person-centered approach to match a person's needs with the services that best help them
1: achieve their goals. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that completes uh, round one. In round two, we're going to discuss issues around chronic homelessness and how it impacts people with lived experience. But first, a word from our sponsor.
0: Supporting your employees is more than a paycheck and 401k. It's just a fact. People today are at a higher risk of experiencing mental illness, housing insecurity, and substance abuse. Do you know the health of your employees, your communities? How can you step up your benefits? to better address their well-being. M3 Insurance helps businesses see beyond basic benefits and support employees where they live. It's a meet them where they are approach that LSS delivers to their clients every day. M3 and LSS offer real solutions to now commonplace realities that strengthen employees and inspire communities to thrive. Test your employee benefit strategy now by going to m3ins.com.
1: All right. Are you ready for round two? You got to say it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Come on, champ. Are you ready for round two? <laughs> all right. All right, all right. I'm ready. Good, good, good. So with my previous guests, we, we've we been talking a lot about the social determinants of health, uh, which includes housing, uh, food. Uh, transportation, medical. Uh, the science and the research is very clear that when all of those needs are addressed, it improves the health and well-being of individuals and and communities. And so with you, Mike, I'd like to focus on housing. Could you tell us a little bit about the collaboration that uh, the Behavioral Health Division had uh, with housing to end chronic homelessness? Uh, again, I was so proud to, to be there during the beginning stages when uh, working with Chris Abley, where we declared that we want to put a stake in the ground and say we're going to end chronic homelessness in Milwaukee County. And uh, it, was, it was good to be a part of that, and you guys continued that. And so tell us a little bit more about that, where that's at, and, and the progress that you see as a result of that initiative. So
2: uh, we've made amazing progress there. Again, the work is never done. Uh, you know, there's still folks uh, outside, but the 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 effort around managing and, and serving those those folks that were considered chronically homeless um, led to some very uh, strong collaborations. The Milwaukee County Mental Health Board, which is my governing body allocates a million dollars a year to the housing division, recognizing that the housing division is essentially the outreach arm of the Behavioral Health Division in this space. So many folks living outside have a mental health or substance use issue as well. So for, the, for people dealing with those issues who are also outside, we work very collaboratively to come up with solutions. So, so targeting uh, chronically homeless folks was a big deal. Also embracing the housing first philosophy, um, where we basically uh, provide housing, offer housing with no strings attached, uh, so many folks, once they have a safe place to live, they're so much more willing to take part in treatment or see somebody or follow up and get the care they need. And so those those things really led to the successes that we're experiencing today.
1: Yeah, I remember those those outcomes were pretty extraordinary. So the Housing First model, again, you know, you're there to love them, to care for them, and to give them a house uh, with those no strings attached. But the overwhelming majority of those individuals end up accepting care and wanting care, and that's why it has resulted into great outcomes for those individuals. Uh, Thank you again for your courage, your discipline, and and making sure that you continue with that effort. I know it had great outcomes, not only for those individuals that are oftentimes forgotten about, but it was good for the taxpayer and for behavioral health.
2: Our our study showed, our data showed The first couple of years, they kept really tight data. There's about a 90% reduction in the number of arrests and charges that people who were in the Housing First program experienced after they were admitted. So we took the two years before they were in Housing First and compared it to the year after they were placed in Housing First. There was like a 90, right around 90% reduction in the number of tickets and arrests. So it really had a substantial impact in keeping people experiencing mental health and substance use issues and homelessness out of jail.
1: Yeah. I want to give a special shout out to Jim Matthew, and maybe Jim Matthew will get him in our ring, in the ring with me in the future uh, for all his great work. He's known nationally for this effort uh, and also County Executive Chris Abley was willing to put a stake in the ground. I remember we did a press conference. We invited the city and and major leaders in this community said, let's get this done. And um, it, I've heard that they've reached functional zero, meaning that there's enough housing to place Individuals who are chronically homeless in this community. Can you tell a little bit more about that? I know you had some conversations with Jim Matthew on that.
2: Yeah, and so there have been times in the last year or so that we've been uh, at functional zero. I think the challenge is there's some criteria before you can officially declare that. But the the truth is yes, the, the population of chronically homeless, which there's a very formal definition. Um, It really refers to people who've been outside a year, who've been, uh, had a series of housing or or, uh, interruptions over the year or who have uh, a disability. And so that is a target, a priority target group. And, And it really was a partnership. So you mentioned this, but many, many partner agencies, there's, there's all kinds of volunteers involved. There's, you know, a whole system of care around the shelters and really keeping people safe that collaborated under this, like, Banner, everybody got on board and worked together to solve this challenge as a community.
1: Great. Why don't you tell me about the challenges uh, with obtaining affordable housing uh, for the people you serve? And are you knocking out those challenges, Tam? (laughs) I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Um,
2: I wish I could say it was easier. uh, But housing is our single greatest challenge. Uh, So many of the people we serve have a criminal history or they've had some drug charges or they've had some behaviors that have gotten them in trouble. And in a really tight housing market, um, they're not priorities. And so we run into and then the stigma, there's just overriding uh, community wide stigma on people with mental health and substance use issues, all of those things. And, and just the cost of housing and the challenges around affordable housing have really impacted our group, who are often, as you mentioned earlier, these are the folks who are marginalized. They're, they're often falling through the cracks. And uh, again, it's the single greatest challenge for the folks we serve is to find a, a safe place to live that they can afford.
1: You know, one in four of us has a mental health condition. And so they are your neighbors. And oftentimes you don't know about it because they're just like you, Right. There are individuals that, that work, um, that are in your community, that want to be in a safe environment, um, just like everybody in our community. And so, um, yeah, that stigma is, is, is really unfortunate. Yeah, we see the "not in my backyard"
2: thing. I don't have to tell you. Um, we had some challenges when you were DHHS director. We created some resources that have remain effective today, and we've never had a problem. Yeah, knock yeah. on wood. But the neighbors just the "not in my backyard" response was so overwhelming. It makes it really hard to to create new things that serve people.
1: And tell me about the one where the, one of the last ones where I were there, where there was an uproar in the community. People didn't want the facility, and and we placed some of the individuals that that needed more attention and more services. So it wasn't like we were just transitioning these individuals into the community. We were pro- providing them with individualized treatment plans and the supports they needed to be successful. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the program
2: has been very successful. Um, none of the things the neighbors were scared of ever happened. Uh, and in fact the entire uh, cohort that was placed in those that facility originally has now moved on to less restrictive settings and new folks have moved in right. which i would mark as a success because when i came here and when we first discussed this the idea was that this facility probably would serve these people for the rest of their lives and in fact we underestimated the power of resiliency and and these folks did really well um similarly on the housing first side there's about a 30 percent turnover of people in what we would call permanent supported housing so people who get regular support in their housing, where about 30% of those folks move into much more independent housing uh, every single year, freeing up space for the next uh, group of folks who needs that assistance. So our our whole system is built upon recovery and resiliency and really getting people to their, 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 their best selves and where they live independently.
1: You know that's awesome, Mike. I, I really appreciate you sharing that because that's important. you're you're trying to give these individuals the 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 resources they need to be successful, but then helping them reach their full potential. And hopefully in the future, they might not need the level of care they needed at day one. Sometimes they don't need care at all. Other times they might need, you know some type of care to remain in the community successfully and independently, but it, it could be less uh, in the future than what it is today. So that's wonderful that you're you're working on that journey uh, with these individuals. I uh, appreciate you sharing that, and again, your leadership to, to really make that happen. That completes round two. In round three, we're gonna dig into innovative partnerships that have been key to improving Uh, the county residents' health and well-being in Milwaukee County. We're also going to discuss the state budget uh, and its considerations and how mental health is in there that could really help improve the health and well-being of some of our most vulnerable in our community. Are you ready for round three? I am ready. Great. We're going to drill into strategic partnerships uh, and innovation. Again, uh, just to give a shout out to so many uh, individuals that, that are involved in, in this major transformation, uh, County Executive Chris Abley, who uh, was willing to go bold uh, and make some major decisions that uh, moved us in the right direction, Dr. Schneider, all of your staff, you know, just so many people that, that made this happen, but it's really hard. And, you know, it doesn't go perfectly. And there's lots of challenge, you know, because there's differing opinions. You know, what are some lessons learned you could share with us? You know, so as we're going through transformation in our own organizations and our own communities, what are, what are some aha moments and things that you learned that could help our audience as we're going through change and transformation?
2: Well, the the most important thing I've always I've said that the most important important thing that I've been part of in the last few years, probably the defining thing of my career in Milwaukee will be the mental health emergency center. And in that scenario, we knew we had a good thing. We had a nationally recognized best practice, but it was really entirely on the county and that wasn't sustainable. There had become this dynamic where there was sort of the county patient and then the health system patient. And we had to, we had to blow that up. We just had to. So we, we reached out, we found common ground with our partners. Again, the major hospital systems, so you know Aurora Advocate, uh, Children's, uh, Freighter to the Medical College, Ascension. And we found that everybody had a reason to participate in this thing that greatly impacted the community. We just had to get past all those barriers you mentioned and bureaucracies and opinions to deliver a, a service that would serve the community. We achieved that. And, and it, while it's, against it's not perfect, but the fact that we have a center of excellence that today is fully staffed, that is in the heart of the Milwaukee community, very close to the people we serve, is an amazing outcome. And it has catalyzed additional relationships that really have thrown this idea of the county patient out the window. Mm -hmm. Our community, for the first time in 142 years, really looks at it like we are serving a community of vulnerable individuals who are in a mental health or substance use crisis, and we're gonna solve that challenge together and look for those outcomes that make our community healthier.
1: I love that, Mike, because, yeah, you're right. These are county patients and these are other patients the way it was um, talked about in the past. So now that, you know, they are people uh, and they could be served by Aurora, by Children's, you know, by Ascension and and by us, by the county. And But they are people uh, and there are people that have great potential um, and some of them have great needs. But you're there. Uh, to serve their needs and, and help them reach uh, their full potential. So thanks thanks for sharing that. You know, when you move towards a community-based system of care, I know when I was there, the county was pretty delayed in being able to provide uh, our providers an adequate rate that was commensurate to the value they provide society. And we made substantial strides We coming from, you know, uh, years and years and years of no rate increases, and so people were appreciative. We weren't quite able to get where we needed to go, uh, but tell us a little bit about your journey to, uh, on that, uh, your rates, and how you deal with your partners. So
2: it's a it's a great point. Uh, right now, it's it's really challenging to find great staff. Uh, any industry, but uh, is hard. Healthcare is extraordinarily hard. Unfortunately. Uh, Mental health and substance use is even harder uh, because of the scarcity of qualified folks. So we know uh, we rely on partner agencies that you've said. Most of our services are delivered through partnerships. So the rates we pay have to support good people if we expect good people to provide the service. So we've targeted key services and provided those, those uh, enhancements where we can. Um, unfortunately, the way stigma works is even though we technically have parity in the United States, the rates paid for mental health and substance use services are nowhere near the rates for other medical challenges. And so we operate in an environment where we're already starting a little bit behind. Um, we, we've been blessed, there's some, been some developments, there's a program called Comprehensive Community Services, which is fully funded by our state. Um, essentially the county runs the program, but really our partners deliver the service and we're able to provide a reasonable rate and then the county is made whole. That has made a significant difference. Uh, Likewise, the state has moved into a place in the last few years where crisis services are fully funded. The county's uh, maintenance of effort, or our sort of co-pay on those services, is is fixed at uh, 2017 level. So we can grow crisis as much as we want, fully reimbursed. We've invested all of those opportunities and the savings of not operating a million-square-foot hospital with 50 patients into those community-based services to really uh, bolster those services, so they're there to serve the community.
1: That's great. Uh, now I'm going to give you a little bit of a hard time, champ. I was going to respond. We were going to LSS was going to respond to one of your RFPS, and we we took some time and and I even told my my colleagues. I said, "Look, if we lose a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, I still wanted to be in Milwaukee and be a major player, and um, then we'll fundraise uh, for the difference." But they came back and said, "Hector, there's about a five hundred thousand dollar gap," and that was something we just couldn't do. And so I, I just wanted to share that with you to 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 say that I know you're making a lot of progress, uh, but those rates, um, if you could um, redirect more of those savings to the community based providers, because I know others are are facing a similar, and and you're not. This isn't uh, the case because you don't want to do it. I know there's limited resources that are available to do it, but you want to talk a little bit about that, Champ? Well, you, and you're, and you're talking
2: about the, the Community yeah. Support Program, or CSP, and, you know, it's, it's, it's true. Uh, we received a $4 million grant over four years to operate a, our own program at the county, which we wanted to do but that was the gap then so it's, mm-hmm. it's it was a million dollars mm-hmm. for us to deliver that same high level of service uh, and it's uh, there was a there was a, a item in the state budget that I've lobbied for for about 10 years where the state would have funded that program CSP like they do CCS making the county whole mm-hmm. that would have allowed us to expand uh, unfortunately that was one of those uh, one or two in the morning cuts from the budget document we are hopeful that that funding will be restored through separate legislation, but that particular program is so amazingly effective, and I could spend an entire podcast talking about ACT and assertive community mm-hmm. treatment and how amazing it is to serve people. Uh, but you know, the you know, my role, you know, and, and as I've I've been uh, fighting for this increase in funding because the the way the program is set up is basically from 1989 and hasn't changed. And it does not reflect the the knowledge that we've gained since then in how to serve people, nor does it fund the level of a professional that you want deployed to your most challenging cases, the sickest folks, because otherwise they're in hospitals and they're in jails at great cost.
1: Yeah, thanks for for sharing that. You know, we've had two governors in a row. You mentioned CCS and Scott Walker was the governor that ended up paying uh, at the state level to make CCS available, Comprehensive Community Services. It's a service that provides um, services for people with uh, severe persistent mental illness. LSS is, uh, you know, where many counties uh, provided services under that on that program. So we're very thankful that wouldn't be available uh, without Scott Walker. And now we have another governor that has been very uh, supportive of mental health. In fact, his budget he said this is this is the budget of mental health and made uh, extraordinary investments. So, again, so proud of our current governor for all the investment he has made. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things you see in there and how it might be beneficial to Milwaukee County.
2: So the, the budget is a bit disappointing because it. You know, the governor did declare uh, the year of mental health. Mm. Many of the amazing ideas that were in that budget have been removed today. We are still hopeful, uh, trying to stay positive, that we'll be able to fight for legislation that brings back some of those great ideas, like fully funding CSP, like enhancing county crisis services. But, you know, the the revenue sharing bill that uh, our county executive and his team have been working on for a couple many years, the city has been working on, that The revenue sharing piece will have an enormous impact on the people I serve, because even though our tax levy is sort of segregated by the mental health board and the rules, our customers need the bus, they use the parks, all the Mm. things that would have been threatened before that have been saved by this amazing effort to get some shared revenue back to the county, um, that improves the quality of life for the people we serve. So it, it, it is a very impactful budget in that space. And Again, our folks often don't have cars and they rely on public transportation. The parks are their only social output that doesn't really outlet, that doesn't cost anything. Like we, so we, we, we live in this, this ecosystem that is obviously impacted by uh, those public services that would not have been funded without the budget
1: inter- intervention. Yeah, That's great, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for all the wisdom you know, you've imparted with us today. And uh, I have one more question for you. How are you using your punching power to advocate for our sector? And I mean the nonprofit sector as well as the government sector.
2: Well, I, I've i absolutely invested my punching power in uh, making the case for the funding of CSP and the expansion of service. But really also this, this notion of approaching this care as a collaborative, that there is no... Uh, private sector. There is no public sector. There's only a a health community that is trying to to solve a challenge in that uh, we have many people in our, our society impacted by mental health and substance use. As you have mentioned, something like a quarter of the population at any given time. Only if we collaborate together will we reduce that impact. We'll make our community healthier. The county's audacious vision is that we're the healthiest community in the state, it's not going to be done by county. It's going to have to be all of us together achieving that goal. And I think we're on the right track. I think that the the the, the bones are there. Yeah. And and every day, um, I have a great team that is always tire, tirelessly trying to make the services better. They're meeting people in the community where they're at, and and truly, we are there as well in our crisis service to support those programs throughout the community to make sure that when something gets to that level, we're there to help. And that that collaboration has to start. Uh, to expand uh, in order to be successful. We need our partners to, su- to, to survive and to make the work happen, but we also need to support our partners with our services that only the county can provide. And that's the, that's the relationship we're moving forward with.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mike. Um, you know, I've always thought uh, you're so smart. Uh, I got a little bit smarter uh, being connected to you. Uh, you have a huge heart, um, and you want to do the right thing. Um, and you also are a good leader. And you know how to get stuff done. So thank you for being on my on my show. Uh, thank you for your friendship. Uh, thank you for your service to the community and all you do. I know so many people love you and are thankful uh, to your leadership. Um, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for
2: the opportunity. And I, I guess I would just say uh, or ask you, so seven years later, so... Uh-huh. Did we do it? Did we? Did we? Did we do what you expected us to do? And
1: absolutely, so, absolutely. Okay. You guys, uh, you know, got the 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 closure of the inpatient unit, and the fact that you got the hospital systems together uh, to collaborate and and serve the population. And I really love the fact that how you know these aren't county uh, employees; these are people, and you're you're moving in that direction to try to reduce a uh, stigma. Um, don't give up, champ. There's still more work no, to be No, no, there's done. work to do. Got to I... increase those rates. <laughs> so thank right. you. Thank you. All right. That was a great episode with Mike. Again, a dear friend, a great leader in this community. Uh, he's very smart. Um, he's a great leader. He knows how to bring people along uh, to get some really good stuff done. I'm honored to call him my friend. So I just want to debrief and and share a few of the key points. Uh, In Milwaukee County, you know, HSRI had that report in 2010 and major transformation occurred uh, during that period. And really moving towards a community-based system of care, uh, Mike said, we're we're trying to serve these individuals sooner, more prevention versus um, costly uh, services the use of peers and support specialists, individuals with lived experience working in this space, and support people along their journey of recovery. And so those are things that are very important. Moving upstream, you know, trying to get more into prevention versus um, um, institutional care or inpatient care. Uh, They have a crisis line, which is a 24-7, 365-day operation available to the community every single day at all times uh, of the day. One thing that's really impressive is is the emergency room that was developed uh, by Milwaukee County in partnership with the health systems here in Milwaukee County. What's so impressive about this is that it's not the county patients uh, versus other patients. These are just individuals that need care and are served through this really good partnership. So Mike uh, Lappin and all the health systems and everybody else who was involved in getting that done uh, should be recognized because I know that this was no easy task uh, and it's resulting in some great outcomes for the people in Milwaukee County. I gave Mike a little bit of a hard time with those rates. You know, it's it's hard for nonprofit providers uh, to provide Really good quality services, while we aren't paid adequate uh, to the to the um, difference we make in the lives of the people we serve and and the broader community. And I know Mike is making strides; he's trying really hard. Uh, they have very limited resources there, but I know it continues to be a, a a thing of concern for him. And I hope that in the future there'll be more robust funding for community-based providers such as LSS and many others that are are part of the Milwaukee County um, um, Behavioral Health System. And he's going to use this punching power to continue to make uh, the statement that we are people. Um, We're not county people and other people, but we're just people. And uh, he's going to continue to advocate for that. He's going to continue to advocate for funding. Uh, in the budget, there's uh, funding for community support program for people with mental illness, and he's advocating for a match there. And that would be a game changer for our sector and, and for even individual organizations like LSS, where we can provide this service in Milwaukee County uh, because there would be more robust funding. That concludes our episode. In the ring with me next is Mike Vickerson, the CEO of M3 Insurance, and the sponsor for our podcast. Um, the interview I had with him before was was great. I had, he imparted a lot of great wisdom and insights into the, into the community, and our sector, I'm sure, was very grateful to him. So I'm looking forward to having him again on our show. You can find out more about In the Ring with Hector Colon podcast, our guests, our episodes on our website, at lsswis.org slash in the ring. Like, follow, and share on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of these important conversations in the future. All right. Thank you, Mike. And again, thanks to our sponsor, M3. Con mucho cariño. With much affection. Bye.